this is my dad, Nick. We like playing video games together on the couch. This is a picture of my dad. He's a really big Star Wars fan. He loves the action figures and likes to play them with me. And he's happy. He's very nice. He loves me and he always gives me great stuff. This is my papa and he's going on a safari and I, and I like his stories. This is my dad. It's a monster dad. Why his teeth? And this is mad eyebrows. And he's super mad because he has to go somewhere to his room. This is his shirt. It has Snoopy on it. His ears are right there. Daddy's special. So I will love on his shirt. L-O-V-E. And the grass. He needs to mow the grass. And this is me and my dad playing baseball. I love him because he goes fishing with me and plays golf with me. I love him because I love him. Me and daddy would not speak about Okay, I'll blah, blah, blah. They love him. And he snuggles me all the time. Give me a thumbs up. He's my best friend forever. Yeah. They are adorable. Happy Father's Day. So glad you're with us today. And we are in part two of a two-week conversation in the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're leaning this conversation into the life of men. And we're tapping back in to the five marks of a man. And that's where we're going to finish up today. So everyone across the campuses online, get a Bible. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to turn to chapter 3 today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If it's a worship center Bible that you picked up on the way in or, or underneath your chair, we're on page 1144 of a worship center Bible. Mobile device, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now while you're turning there to page 1144 over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let me remind you that last week we had something of an introduction to 1 Corinthians. You'll have to go back and listen in. Paul wrote in chapter 1, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. By the what of God? Will of God. Real men follow the will of God. They don't get God to follow their will. They follow the will of God. Now, this message will apply to everybody, but I want to lean it into men, and then particularly maybe for today, dads. But we'll all benefit from it. So we highlighted a couple things in chapter 1 and chapter 2, and then we, we went to the end to get God's wisdom in chapter 16. We're going to sit for a moment in chapter 3, and then we'll end up in chapter 16 again. So look at chapter 3, verse 1. Paul writes, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, as people who are uh, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants. Interesting use, mere infants. In Christ, I gave you what, everybody? Milk. Say it with me. I gave you what? Milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it yet. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Literally, as reference, infants. 
For one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Paulus. Are you not mere human beings? Are you not acting like infants? Verse 5, what after all is Apollos? Because Paul planted the church, but, but he put Apollos as a, as a kind of a pastor to help grow and build and establish and deepen the roots. So what after all is Apollos, verse 5? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Now, it's worth continuing to read, but let's just pause right there, and, and, and let's put this in context. Paul, Paul's being affirming to the church, calling them brothers and sisters in Christ, but, but he's saying, well, we got a bit of a challenge right here, and our challenge is, I'd love to treat you as adults, I'd love to treat you as, as, as real men, but I can't. We're having a bit of a problem here, Paul's saying, because, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to come over to the cooler of life, guys, and I wanted to just... Pull out the meat. I, I wanted to give you like the good stuff. Let's, let's do that. I, I wanted to give you, oh, I wanted to grill up some of this right there. Come on, baby. I, mean, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to heat up the grill. I, I wanted to lay this one and a half pounds of prime. I wanted to grill it up. I'm telling you, we, this would be so good. Mm, everybody mm, with me? Mm. You talk about a Father's Day, that'll do it right there. And Paul's like, I spiritually wanted to throw the meat on the grill. I wanted to chew on the deeper things of the kingdom of God. Man, we were going ha- we to have some things that matter. This is worthwhile, but I can't. Because we're over here on the bottle still. Still got milk. Your spiritual digestive system hasn't moved from milk to meat. How, how do I know you're stuck in milk? Because you're still petty. You quarrel. You got jealousies. Man, you're t- talking. Oh, I like Paul. He's so good. Well, I like Apollos. Apollos is my man. It's like, what? Seriously? What, we're pitting spiritual leaders against each other? Who got more likes? That didn't start in our culture. But it still happens in our culture. Oh, I like Pastor Kevin. He's so good. Well, I like Miles. That Mother's Day thing, that was amazing. I I like Miles. I like Jason. I like PK. I like my campus pastor. My campus pastor is head and shoulders above the rest. Oh, I like Sean. He's just, he's, he's good. Oh, you know what? Now I listen to Andy Stanley. My, he's so insightful. Well, I listen to T.D. Jakes. He's so authoritative. Well, I listen to Rick Warren. I mean, that guy is practical. Paul's like, what, is, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you, why are you talking more about your pastors than Jesus? Is that not corrupting the church? The very things you don't like about church, you're, you're propagating? Got to go back to the word. You're still sitting there in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> Verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Which is who? Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus Christ is the only one who's worthy and therefore the only one worthwhile. So quit talking about your pastors like they're the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. 
Talk more about Jesus. In fact, it drops down. Look at verse 21. So then, no more boasting about human. If you think I wasn't being clear, I'll let the scripture speak for itself. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. I mean, you've got to stop that. It's a sign you're on milk, not meat. Whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas, the, the world or life or death or the present or the future, all is yours and you are of Christ and Christ is in God. This is all because of Jesus. All what? Because of Jesus. Couldn't hear you. All what? Because of Jesus. He's the center of this. He's the only foundation. That's the meat. <laughs> Go get the meat. And if that's not clear, look up at verse 18. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. In other words, you better be able to distinguish between what's worthwhile and what's worthless. That's what he's going after. See, over here, he's like, listen, you, you, you got to know what's milk and what's meat. And, and if you're stuck over here in milk, you don't have to. You can make a turn of your life to the meat. Let me put this on the screen, something for all of us to jot down together. This is kind of a, a, a statement. Men climb up to worthwhile things. See, men, it's a statement about men. What do men do? Men climb up. Men what, everybody? Men what? Climb up to worthwhile things. And what do boys do? Coast down into worthless things. If you, listen, if you're, if immediately when I say that, and you might want to jot that down in your notes, you'll notice this summer that we, that we took all the blanks out of the notes and gave you more space. Hey, maybe you'll like that. Tell your campus pastors we like it. Keep going. After the summer, we may go back to, to filling in the blank. If you like that, tell your campus pastor, oh, I like blanks. I don't care. We're, we're trying to help it make it better for you, but boys coast down into worthless things. And if when I say it, you immediately know that you're more a boy than a man, well, men, change the direction of your life. If you know you're stuck and you're sitting in the milk thing, then move over. Let me illustrate. My grandson, Braden, four months old, check out this picture. Come on now. That's cute. I don't care who you are. That's cute. Now, I know every granddad's grandbaby is adorable, but he is. And, and you know what? We, we were feeding him a, a, a week or so ago a bottle at the house. In fact, many of you prayed for Braden, thousands of you, and many of you asked me out in the community when you meet me, how's Braden doing? Hey, he's doing awesome. Man, best we can tell, God's just healed that little boy. We're so grateful. But listen, just don't be like Braden. Don't get stuck over here. You know what? We, we don't want Braden as a 16-year-old getting his milk bottle. 21, 31. 41, 51, where's my milk? We, we, we're going to have to grow that boy to meat. We want to get him to the deeper things. Spiritually speaking, that's what he's saying. Don't get stuck here. Don't grow up in age and not grow up spiritually. Don't coast down into boyish things. Climb up. About three years ago, I was having a meal with my uh, mentor, John Maxwell, and friend, and what a, what a gracious and generous and kind and insightful leader. And he, he said, you know what, Kevin, here's what I'm convinced of. Everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything worthwhile is uphill. And I wrote it down like you should be doing. 
I've said it before, I'll say it again. Everything worthwhile is uphill. I'm like, that is so true. In fact, while we were dialoguing, I said, you know what occurs to me, John, is that I have uphill dreams but downhill habits. Come on. And I said, oh, I want to be uphill, but the truth of the matter is I got some stuff inside me that just makes me want to coast like a boy. That's the value of Brian Tome's book, The Five Marks of a Man. He, he moves from the wisdom of God in chapter 2 and 3 to the end of the book where Paul writes. And let's go to the scripture in chapter 16. In chapter 16, verses 13 to 14, writes, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. And Brian said, you know, there are just five things there in the wisdom of God that can apply to the life of men. So now let's go to that list. And you might want to jot these down, but you'll get more time in a moment. Be watchful, meaning men have a vision. In other words, we have a sense of our calling and the size of it. That's this uphill, worthwhile stuff. And here are the practices of it. They stand firm. They do what? Stand firm. Men take a minority position. We'll unpack that a little bit today. Act like men. Men are team players. Be strong. Men work. They, they produce. All done in love. Men are protectors. And I'm not sure we'll get through all the rest of the four of those, but those four things are worthwhile. So one at a time, let's talk about them. Here, here's what you got to put down in your notes for take a minority position. Let me put this on the screen, guys. This right here is, is kind of the first unpack. Men take a minority position because a crowd-pleasing life is worthless. Take a stand. Listen, jot it down, men. I know we're not generally note takers. We're going to be today. It's dad's day. Let's get it done. Men take a what? Minority position. A crowd-pleasing life is worthless. So, so we're going to take a stand. And, we, and when, when Paul says take a stand, he's reminding us what we already read in verse 18. That the world offers wisdom, but it's foolishness to God. And God offers wisdom, but it's foolishness to the world. This world, our country, has made their own list of what's holy and what's unholy. They keep rewriting the list of what's wrong doing and what's right. And if you don't join their crowd, you'll be called a fool. And listen, it's tolerance until you don't agree. And, and, and then you'll be flogged verbally, emotionally, psychologically. Because in this world, you'll join their crowd. Or you'll feel the weight of being called the fool. So you've got to ask yourself. Who's defining what's holy and what's unholy for you? Oh, I know this is for more than men. <laughs> it's for all of us, but I'll, I'll talk to dads. But yeah, now I'll talk to all of us because you know what? <sighs> Spiritual infants get their moral and ethical code from CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, the internet. Social media, schools, their professors. And then they bring it into the church and they call it meat. 
And they say, this is loving, accepting, and forgiving from God. And they call milk meat. No, it's not. But, I mean, Jesus called things sin. You keep following the crowd in the world, and pretty soon there is no sin. And if there's no sin, there's no need for Jesus. And yet Jesus had the audacity to say, I've come in to seek and to save the lost. People lost in sin. Jesus called stuff sin because it destroys your life. It undoes the best things of God for you. You've got to recognize there are things that are worthless in life, and there are things that are worthwhile. Chase the worthwhile. Go uphill. Climb. Go after the things of God. Get into the meat of God's word. And because Corinth was having problems with this, and they were bringing the world into the church, Paul wrote in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, and he gave them this, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Pause. Paul wasn't writing to the world. He was writing to the church inside the church and saying, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he wraps it up, and that is what some of you were. In other words, that's what you used to do, but now God's freed you and you've grown up. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the who? Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, you've been set free by Jesus because there was sin in your life. Life, and now, thank God, the grace of God has forgiven you and freed you. That ought to get a celebration. Thank God we're forgiven and we're freed. And, and Paul says, you got to grow up in this. So real men stand firm. Real men do what? Stand firm. They stand firm in the truth. And that's complicated in this world because the world says truth is subjective. Stay with me. Stay with me. Particularly rising generation. The world is telling you that truth is subjective, and that's a lie. It's false. Truth is not subjective. Do not confuse truth with opinions. See, truth is truth for everybody, but everybody's entitled to an opinion, but your opinion does not change the truth. You, you, you got to know how this works. Uh, let me illustrate. I have in my hand... $200 bills. Some people just engaged. <laughs> I'll listen to this. Where is he going? That's a hun. All right. I have $200. Bills. 100 plus 100 equals what? 200. Some didn't get it. Help your neighbor. 100 plus 100 equals what? 200. Listen, listen. 100 plus 100 equals 200 for everybody. 100 plus 100 doesn't equal 50 for one person, 250 for another, 350 for somebody else. Hey, you got your truth, I got mine. No, no, no. This is the truth. 100 plus 100 is 200 for everybody. Now, what's worth spending $100 on? That's subjective. That's an opinion. Feel free to have your opinion. Everybody doesn't have the same opinion as to what's worth spending 100 bucks on. For example, it's Dad's Day. Think about your dad. What would your dad spend $100 on right now? Just think about it. What would, if your dad had 100 bucks handed to him, what would he spend it on? In fact, if you're a teenager, if, if you're anywhere between middle school to 21 years old, and, and, and you're here today, I want you to think about what would your dad spend $100 on? And I'd like to know what your opinion is, but I can only do it for two. So if there are two in that age range who want to come up here, I'm not saying you're going to walk away with 100 for your dad. I'm just saying... If you get up here on stage and tell me what your dad would do, you might walk away with something. So are there any teenagers who make it up here? 
Don't kill each other. Don't kill each other. Okay, that's it, that's it, that's it. It's two, two, two. Although that right there, give it up. That was, that was really smooth. All right, stay right there. Stay right there. I got it. Here we go. Let's, let's, let's find out. What's your name? Cassidy. Come on over closer. Cassidy, come over closer. Name? Lexi. What is it? Lexi. All right, here we go. You ready, everybody? What would your dad spend 100 on if he had it? What do you think? Bills. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is fantastic. Isn't that a dad? Well, I made another 100. What are you going to do? Bills. What, what, what would your dad spend on? He's over there coaching you. <laughs> uh, food. <laughs> All right, you ready? Hold the 100 for me. Hold the 100 for me. Now listen, is bills right and food wrong? Is food right and bills wrong? No, it's subjective. It doesn't even matter. However, 100 plus 100 is always what? Know the difference between truth and opinion. Stay with me. You are entitled to your opinion, but not to changing the truth. You go give your dad 100. If your dad's here, give him 100. If not, do it. It is not yours. It's his. Happy Father's Day. Let's go bless a couple of dads. Okay? Now. So what Paul is trying to help us understand, go with me on this, is that, is that you have to stand firm in truth. And, and, you, and listen. Listen. Stand firm in obedience. Jot it down. Not only stand firm in truth, but stand firm in what? Obedience. Write it down. Stand firm in what, everybody? Obedience. All right. Last night, uh, we were praying over you. Every Saturday night, we come in at 9.15, pray for an hour, whatever, however long. And we pray that the Spirit of God would be among us. Because the goal isn't to be entertaining. The goal is to experience the presence of your heavenly father and to know that he is with you and to be inspired to climb up to worthwhile things. And so there was a prompt of God and I rewrote the teaching, tried to cut it down and attend to this moment. So I'm going to give you the last 10% of my restoration with my earthly father. Some of you know that we were estranged for nearly 40 years. And he was frequently illustration for me in what not to do. And this past October, November, I got a prompt from the Lord to not only, and I believe I had forgiven my dad, but not restored. Felt like God said, if you want more of me, not only forgive him, but restore. Now, that doesn't mean everybody needs to do that. It was 40 years. I never felt a prompt like that before. However, I, I, I was honest enough to tell you after January when we had our luncheon res restoration and I told you about it, I just left out a little 10% piece I didn't really care to share. So I'll give you that last 10%. And it's the why. Now, I don't know all the why. I just know the why that God gave me. So in that November-ish time frame when I was telling the Lord... I'm happy to obey you in almost everything, just not this. Anybody have a everything, just not this list? Like I'm in for everything, just not this. So I'm not doing this. And I knew in my soul as if the spirit of God, and he did not verbally speak to me, but as if he had in my spirit, he said, you don't do this. Your future's limited. See, the next thing I want to do in you, through you, and at 12 stone 
is hanging in the balance of your obedience. I'm not going to tell all of you that. I just knew it. I knew in my spirit that if I didn't do this, whatever God wanted to do next, he wouldn't be free for me to participate. That doesn't mean God won't do anything. Just I knew there was a next vision, like vision 2021 that we're talking about, and I would be a barrier. I would be the dam to God's blessing unleashing. I didn't even speak that to Marsha. I just knew it in my soul, so I set it up and I called Dad. We sat down, and two hours into almost being done, my dad said to me, son, this is just awesome, precious. I prayed for this for years. My dad's 78 years old. He said, you know why you had to do this? And I said in my mind, yeah, I do, but you don't. And nobody else does because I hadn't said a word to anybody. He said, I'll tell you why. I said, you tell me that. He said, because I had to die in peace. And now I can. And you needed to do this for God to do the next thing he wanted to do through you. And I froze. Just tears started welling up. I'm like, how do you know that? I mean, I didn't even say it to him. It was as if the Holy Spirit overtook and possessed my dad's body for a moment and God was confirming that obedience is always the breakthrough. Listen, the prompt last night was just stop and pray right now, so I'm going to. We're not done, but bow your heads across the campuses, even online. Just bow your heads. There was a sense from the Spirit of God that many of us are in the activity of good things. But there is an act of obedience we are resisting. And if you would say yes to God, yes, this is for dads. Yes, this is for men, but this is for everyone. So heads bowed. We're not having a conversation between you and me anymore. You bow your head. You're having a conversation with God. And I want to pray over you. That God, right now, I think your intent is that some of us are doing so many good things, but the thing we need to do is obedience. And if you would speak to us and put in front of us right now our act of obedience, and we would say yes to you, there would be great freedom in our life. I don't fully understand what that freedom meant. I just knew in my soul if I would say yes to you and fully follow, you would be free. I don't yet know the fullness of it, but God, I I think that it's more than I can comprehend. I think there are some men and some dads. I think there are plenty of people. In fact, while I'm praying, if your willingness is to yes, God, I'll fully obey. You just slip up your hand and put it back down. It's not for me. It's for God. You just, just across this place, you just slip up your hand and say, yes, God. Yes, God. Just up and down. That's it. It doesn't have to be long. It's just up and down across the campuses. Father, right now, just hundreds of us, maybe thousands of us are saying, yes, God. Yes, God. And the breakthrough today is for us to say, on this Father's Day, I'm going to do the will of my Father in heaven. No longer will I sit in the barrier of this resistance to him. And the freedom of God and grace of God will be greater in my life because I said, yes. And God, let this be the beginning of our action. May this be the breakthrough into freedom. May you have the courage to follow through, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed saying, amen. Now for everybody who said yes to Jesus in terms of I'm going to go fully obedient, all the rest of us should say, yay, God, good for you. That's a powerful thing when you say yes to God. It, It is a powerful thing. And Paul is going after that in the lives of people right here. He's, he's kind of saying that maybe obedience is the, is the breakthrough in great part from milk to meat. 
All right, we gotta keep going. Here's the next thought. Act like men. Men are team players. A lone wolf life is worthless. That's what I want you to jot down and think about. Act like men. And when he says men, it, 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 Brian talks about it, it, it's plural. In other words, it's not individual. You're not a lone wolf. It's not just you alone. This idea, oh, just you and Jesus. That, that, scripture doesn't support that. Men are team players. Men, men do life with other men and brothers. See, real men know the truth of Ecclesiastes 4. Where it says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Here's what he's talking about. When you're on your own, an enemy comes after you. The enemy will take you down. On your own, you can't survive. If there's two of you back to back, you might be able to win the battle. But if there's three of you, man, you are going to conquer. Because a strand of three cords is not easily broken. When three brothers knit together in the Lord, and they stay close, and they build inner circle, and they have encouragement and accountability, encouragement and accountability, jot it down, encouragement and accountability, it's a powerful thing. Perhaps one of the better decisions God ever helped me walk through is to band with, with a group of brothers. I got two, three, four, five brothers. And, and we're knit. And it's where I get encouragement and where I live out accountability. It's where I learned I am only as sick as my secrets. See, I can't have a private life that's different than my public life. You can compartmentalize work and pressure but not character. You don't compartmentalize character. And in the experience of life, my wife is a great friend and great help. Marcia is my best female friend. But I don't understand guys when they say, man, I process everything with my wife. Wow, I don't. That's why I'm married. Still. Because if she knew everything... As it went through my brain, I mean, this isn't all godly here. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, see, see, I need brothers. I need guys. I mean, Marsha's not a guy. There's, there's just different perspectives between men and women. And, and sometimes comedians, they pick up on that, and then they display it. And it's so helpful and hilarious. And because it's Father's Day, I can do what I want. So I'm going to play five minutes of Sebastian. I'm playing all five minutes. You say, you cut that down. I ain't cutting it down. I'm playing the whole thing. It's so doggone funny. I cleaned it up. Enjoy. My wife is always happy. She's, even when bad things go wrong, she's always with a smile, this woman. She came home. Came home last month. She's like, babe, I don't know what happened, but... I was backing out of the parking lot at the mall, and I just sideswiped a cement pylon. <laughs> it's just a graze. It's a small graze. You could probably buff it out or use some carnauba wax to just, you know? Now, my immediate reaction is to yell. That's, that's how I grew up, high volume. Come home with a flat tire on my bicycle. My father would be like, what is this? I don't know. I didn't see the nail. My wife grew up with a mother that was more forgiving. This accidents happen. 
just as long as you were not injured, we could always replace it. My father was like, guess who's walking this summer? Can't get you nothing nice. So now I can't, yell, I can't yell at my wife. She does not respond to yelling. Last time I raised my voice, she gave it right back to me. She's like, I don't know what this is, but you better bring this down and let's talk like adults and resolve it. Okay, let's just resolve it. I think you need some therapy. You and your father should get in some type of group <laughs> retreat for your condition. I don't know. So I can't yell. I gotta push it. I gotta push it deep. I, I don't even know who I am anymore. I, I can't, I don't even sound like me. I'm sitting in the kitchen like, yeah, okay. It's just a graze then. I think I could probably buff it out if you said it's a graze. I, it's a graze. Can we go to the driveway to look at what you call a grazes? Because I'd love to know in your head what you think that is. She's like, yeah, no, I'll show you. So both of us go out to the driveway. I'm like, we need a new door. My wife doesn't know what's involved in an accident. That's my assignment now. That's six weeks now that I got to deal with this headache. Calling the insurance, telling them, listen, don't spike up the, it's a graze. I got to go rent the car, sign my life away on 123 pages for a Nissan Altima. I kind of go to a body shop, and they call out the head guy. It's the best actor they got. <laughs> Frankie, you want to take a look at this? As soon as he sees the car, he's like, whoa. <laughs> What'd you get, sideswiped by a semi? I said, no, my wife calls this a graze. She says, she says, you can get it out with some carnauba wax. I can't open the door, but she says, this is a $9 job with some carnauba wax. I can't yell or scream at the house. I have to suppress all my emotion and feeling into my feet, and I don't know who I am anymore. But she just says it's a graze. Uh, I don't understand why she didn't see anything. We have sensors and a camera in the vehicle, but of course I could mention that in the heat of the moment, or I'd be sleeping outside on the lawn. So, if you could just get out your wax and buff that out, that would be fantastic. Oh, I don't care who you are, that is funny. That is just 
plain funny. Men and women are different, and, and there's a sense, God, nobody's going to say it, but guys are like, push, I got to push it down. I don't know who I am. I don't sound like myself anymore. And here's the point, guys. We weren't designed to just push it all down. At some point, it's going to come up. And if you don't have brothers with whom you process real life, so that a lot of the stuff I push down, I bring back up with brothers. But stay with me. Only brothers who have a respect for my wife and for the sanctity of marriage who when I'm done, they tell me to climb up like a man, not coast down like a boy. Stay with me. Listen, listen. Before you go there, listen. I can't get meat-level advice from milkmen. And if that's all that's in your circle, you're in trouble. In fact, men, you already know, if you want milk advice, you go to milkmen. Because you want to coast like a boy. Go be a man and get some men in your life and climb up to worthwhile things. Feel free to vent what gets pushed down, bring it out, and then grow up and get to the meat so that the worthwhile things in life are the things that you're chasing, and that takes brothers. And I gotta break the secrets in my life because I can't have a public life one way and a private life another without crashing and burning. Left to myself as a lone wolf, I will become self-absorbed, self-justified, excuse myself and indulge myself, live for myself and forfeit the greater life. I need brothers with whom I'm accountable. And you think, do you really confess your sins to others as James 4 says? Yes, I do. There's a couple of brothers in my life who know my sins, know my temptations, know where I struggle. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. But Jesus helps us climb uphill. That's what real men do. How about it, guys? How about it? You got some brothers? Go get them because that's what will help you. Got to move on. Be strong. Men work. A lazy life is worthless. In other words, I've raised two men and I got one more to go. Jaden, he turned 16 at the end of the month. He and I have a little bit of sarcasm with each other, and the sarcasm is this. Every day he goes to school, he comes to me, and I pray over him. And half the time he says, Dad, I don't want to go to school. And I said, I don't want to go to work. And then we change our attitude, and he goes to school, and I go to work. Why? Because real men do what they have to do in order to have the life they want. Real men do what they don't want to do in order to be free to do what they want to do. They work their way. They don't wind their way. This summer, my son, as he turns 16, has 50 days off, weekdays off from school. I sat down and I said, this is going to be awesome, man. You got a whole summer off, except you don't, because real men work. So get a job. Well, how many days do I have to work? Half the days. You work half the days and... You go earn your $3,000, which is your half of the car that you want to buy, not because I need your three grand, but because you need to earn it. Every family has a different way to do it. But you got to learn to work because in our household, real men learn to work. They produce. God created us for this. Last thought in the notes. All done in love. Men are protectors. A self-absorbed life is worthless. 
Now, Brian unpacks that in the book, and we don't have time for that, so you pick up the book. Here's the point. You were created for a worthwhile life. That's all of us. But in particular, I want to say, men, you were created to live a worthwhile life. Dads, you were created to live a worthwhile life. So climb uphill to what's worthwhile. That's God's encouragement for you today. You take any of the thoughts we've unpacked and let God inspire it, encourage it, correct it in you. But above all, say, all right, God created me for a worthwhile life. I'm going to climb up to what's worthwhile. And dads, what you do is worthwhile. So we saved it to the end. I want dads across all the campuses, everywhere to stand up. And 12 Stone, we're going to give them a Father's Day. We love you. We appreciate you. We celebrate you. What you do is worthwhile. We're grateful for your sacrifice. We know you matter to God. We're deeply grateful to you. Thank you, dads. We celebrate you today.
you tell him from your own place today, tell him he's great. Oh, we sing.